So uh, if you stand with me and uh, sort of declare the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's give them a clap. Excellent. Excellent. Please be seated. Uh, Peter, who's suitably uh, masked, gloved and sanitised up, he's going to go around the, uh, the building and sort of uh, distribute uh, the... Uh, what we got is wafers and uh, cups of juice, uh, uh, which seems very sacred. And uh, we're going to invite Bianca up to lead us into uh, our food communion. Bianca, if you want to come up, and uh, you'll be able to see yourself on the little uh, monitor screen over there if you want to know exactly where you should stand. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. in the Passion Translation and it says as they ate Jesus took the bread and blessed it tore it and gave it to his disciples he said to them receive this this is my body then taking the cup of wine and giving praises to the Father he declared the new covenant with them and as each one drank from the cup he said to them this is my blood which seals the new covenant poured out for many and we know that when we think about this scripture, that Jesus does this because he's making a new promise for his people. And it, yes. it also says in Matthew 19, let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And in 1 John 5, 1, it says, everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has become a child of God. So not only did he sacrifice himself to save us from our sins, but also we have a place in the kingdom of God and we yes, believe in him and we are his children. Amen, thank you. So um, if you don't know Jesus, please pass this by. But if you do know him, join me in taking communion Amen. as we remember what he did for us. Thank you.
Mm, and thank you that it is precious, Lord God. And you let it flow for us, Lord God, for our salvation. Lord, we just come before you this morning. We just lay all our cares and our worries at your feet, Lord God. Because we know that we are only saved by your blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can save. And Lord, we thank you that you shed your blood for us. That you gave your life. That we may have eternal life. Thank you, Lord, that you rose from the grave. Yes. That you reign victorious. And that we are able to partake in that victory. Thank you, Lord. We just worship you this morning. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Should we give another clap of appreciation? <laughs> Finally, a bit of live music. I could, uh, um, couldn't hear any singing, but uh, I, I could uh, uh, see some people just really lapping it up finally. Um, I think uh, the sort of virus situation uh, is not a good one, so uh, we're trying to be careful uh, and uh, we're sort of uh, trying to sort of work out what we can do. Um, so just thank you for everyone's patience, both uh, online uh, and in here, and uh, you're wearing the masks and not singing and jumping and uh, accompanying Tim with vocals uh, is uh, uh, sort of appreciated. Um, and uh, just hopefully as we go along we'll sort of try and sort of work out what things we can do. So uh, first was the singing and a first is maybe uh, a PowerPoint, though my computer's run out of USB points so um, we might not do this again, we'll see. Excellent. I wonder if you've ever had a nickname. Sometimes they can be an insult. I've certainly endured some quite rude nicknames at school um, and at college. Uh, but sometimes they can be affectionate and sometimes they can be sort of pet names, uh, affectionate names in the family. Uh, well, in 1897, a little girl, Millie, was born. Uh, she was born to some proud parents, Edwin and Amy, and she was born in Kansas. And two years later, she had a little sister, um, and she was born. And this sister's name was Grace. Uh, but the nickname, and do you know, I cannot, so I've spent quite a long time on this. Why was her nickname Peach? I've got no idea. I've looked for all the books, all the online resources, everything, and I've got no idea why this lady's nickname was Peach. But anyway, so uh, the elder sister was called Millie, and the younger sister was nicknamed Peach. Now, according to Peach, their mother didn't just want their daughters to grow up like nice. You know, uh, nice little girls who were just polite and docile and we're just sort of pretty and in the background. Uh, they did a little bit of uh, uh, sort of uh, elocution lessons and stuff, but Amy, their uh, mum, just encouraged them to into adventure and daring at every turn. She sounds like a, a real great mum at the beginning of the 20th century. And so these sisters didn't need a second invitation. These sisters took their mum's invite at face value, and they spent their days climbing trees and catching rats, uh, which sounds like a great time. Uh, two friends of mine 
uh, uh, in Bewbush. Uh, they con constantly take their kids over to Buckham Park. And their two little boys are always catching fish and any other animals that they come across. Uh, it was a bit of drama recently where the eldest boy uh, picked up an adder and wanted to show his dad and then got bitten and then rushed to the hospital and then uh, he became a little bit of a, a celebrity because uh, there's not many kids that get bitten by adders and they had to find out the uh, anti-venom and stuff. And uh, these girls, it seems, were the same. Uh, they just, just immerse themselves in the wildlife around them. And apparently at home, their mum and dad, Ed, Edwin and Amy, they tolerated all sorts of wildlife in the house. They tolerated worms, moths, and um, essentially a, a type of cricket, and apparently there was even a tree toad, which I, I think is quite a cool pet to have. So uh, Millie and Pidge uh, certainly enjoyed that. Um, Put your hand up if you've ever been to Chesington or Thorpe Park. Uh, most people have been to Chesington or Thorpe Park. Why all my kids aren't cheering at the moment, I don't know. Um, uh, but I wonder if you've ever been there and then been inspired by what you've seen. Thought, you know what, I could do something like this at home. Well, in 1904, Millie and Pidge went to the, uh, uh, what was it called, the, the World Fair in St. Louis. Uh, in Missouri, and they went there, um, and there was like 60 nations represented, and uh, 40 odd states, and there was just money ploughed in, and, and it was a real big celebration. And one thing that was there was a roller coaster, and William Pidge got absolutely obsessed with this roller coaster. Um, and so, what they did when they came home, and their mum was encouraging them to be reckless. What do you guess that they did? Yes, they thought they could create a roller coaster. So they got some homemade planks and they found an eight foot high shed. So I'm, what's it, uh, just under uh, five foot nine. Uh, so uh, an eight foot shed and they erected these planks and put it down there. And if you think that's, uh, that's quite enough already, they got lard, like huge amounts of grease and lathered these planks in large to make sure that whatever that they took down could go down. And so Millie being the eldest, she sat in the box at the top. Uh, and there were these planks going down, all covered in grease. And you want to know what happens next, don't you? Well, unsurprisingly, it all ended in disaster. Uh, Millie ended up in just in a pile uh, at the bottom. The box was actually smashed to smithereens. Uh, poor Millie, she got a bruised lip, a torn dress, uh, but she was also filled with great excitement. And apparently, the immortal words she uttered after hurtling down this uh, homemade roller coaster was, Oh, Pidge, it's just like flying. And those words would be very instrumental in, in Millie's life. Uh, so she grew up uh, loving adventure. She grew up uh, loving uh, machines. She grew up loving flying. And on the morning of the 20th of May, so uh, uh, in 1932, 34-year-old Millie set off from Newfoundland in America. She flew 
for 14 hours and 56 minutes on her own. Have you ever been on a long haul flight? And then imagine being on your own in a plane made in 1932, so you know you haven't got aircon and you haven't got sort of dinner service and you haven't got the little TV in the screen uh, in the uh, headrest in the front so you can watch movies. Um, 14 hours and 56 minutes, she battled fiercely with strong winds. Have you ever been hit by a strong wind in a plane? And like it makes these big old commercial planes sort of rock and roll a bit. Well, she was in a, a, a much smaller one. She had ice building up and uh, that would have terrified her. And she had various mechanical problems. I really wanted to do more research, but it would probably make the sermon go on a long time about all the mechanical problems that a 1932 plane had uh, flying for almost 15 hours. So, uh, Millie, she was aiming for Paris. She missed Paris and hit Northern Ireland, bless her, uh, but uh, uh, she still got uh, across the Atlantic. Um, and the landing was seen by uh, not a great welcoming crowd that perhaps she'd hoped for, but by a couple of farmers. Um, and she sort of landed in their field and they asked her, well, have you flown far? And you can imagine Millie, king of the toads and homemade roller coasters and flying 15 uh, hours across the Atlantic. She goes, from America. And uh, so this hero uh, is known to us, uh, um, was known to her family as Millie, but she's known uh, in history as Amelia Earhart. Um, and she was the first woman ever to fly solo across the Atlantic. Now, a few months ago, so uh, in 2020, I think it was sort of uh, June, July, a lady called Emily Howell Warner passed away. Now, this may not have been on your radar, uh, uh, but she passed away. And this Emily was the first ever uh, woman captain of an American airliner. She was the first woman ever to be in charge of an American commercial uh, uh, plane. And she explained that it took her 10 years just to get a pilot's license because everyone resisted her. But she remembered and knew the example set by Amelia Earhart. She remembered the trailblazing tenacity Amelia Earhart in. And Emily just kept on going. And she, uh, Emily, who died uh, this year, she overcame all the odds. Uh, she would lead others into the sky and she would smash prejudice for all the other little girls that are coming after her who wanted to do something amazing. Friends, it is a universal truth that when people see other people that they identify with, they are inspired by. They dare to do new things when they see someone like them doing something incredible. Heroes awaken heroes. Today, I want to read a passage from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, when, it, when normally I read it, my daughter says it is her favourite story, but I have learned, do not ask them online, because uh, uh, they will say something else. But at least uh, in the privacy of, our, uh, of her bedroom when I read it, she says this is her favourite story. So if you've got the Jesus Storybook Bible, and I'm dead encouraged to see a few kicking around, 
Um, we're going to look at it. So look at page 214. So it says this. There once was a little girl who didn't get out of bed. She didn't get out of one morning or the next or the next. In fact, she didn't get out of bed for a whole month. She was very sick and no one knew how to make her better. Jairus was her daddy and he loved her. One day he was sitting by her bed holding her hand, wishing there was something to, he could do. I know, he said. And he jumped to his feet, put on his coat, kissed his daughter and ran down the steps, 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 past the servants, out of the house, through the gates, along the road, into the town, up the steps, steps, steps and into the temple. He fought his way through all the people until at last he found who he was looking for. Jesus, he said, falling at Jesus' feet. My daughter, he pleaded, please. But he didn't need to beg, because before he'd even finished speaking, Jesus reached out his hand and helped him up. I'll come at once, Jesus said. Jairus' eyes were filled with tears. Jesus was coming. It would be all right. Now in those days, of course, they didn't have ambulances, so they had to go by foot. Jesus' helpers knew that he would heal the sick girl, but they must hurry. If Jesus didn't get there soon, it would be too late. But everyone was in the way, hustling and bustling, jostling and pressing, pushing and shoving, squishing and squashing. The disciples ran ahead, forcing back the crowd. Suddenly Jesus stopped. And his friends looked back. What's he doing? Who touched me? Jesus asked, because he felt power go out of him. Me, said a frail lady, looking down at the ground because she was ashamed. The poor lady had been sick for 12 years and she had to get well. She knew if she only touched Jesus' coat, she would be healed. So she touched his coat and instantly she was well. We don't have time, Jesus' friend said, but Jesus always had time. He reached out his hands and gently lifted her head. He looked into her eyes and smiled. You believed, he said, wiping a tear from her eye. And now you are well. Just then, Jairus's servants rushed up to Jairus. It's too late, he said breathlessly. Your daughter is dead. Jesus turned to Jairus. It's not too late, Jesus said. Trust me. At Jairus's house, everyone was crying. But Jesus said, I'm going to wake her up. But everyone laughed at him because they knew she was dead. My daughter, at least at one point, enjoyed the story because she identifies with the patient. Children love stories with other children in them. It's all very well for our Bibles to be full of men being roused, of adults being rescued, but my little girl wonders, what about me? As we continue through this series 
about prayer as I continue to urge you, especially when there's so much that we can't do together to have a healthy prayer life, I keep coming up against this reality. You see, we can pray what Jesus taught, and we try and do that on a Sunday morning. We can copy what church leaders say. We can copy their prayers in terms of phrases. And we can recite the latest prayer in the latest Christian fad. But we can often not have real, any real hope that Jesus will hear us. We do our duty of our private mumbling, perhaps after we've woken up or just before we go to bed, but we don't really expect for change. We don't really expect an answer. We think, I'm not an American. We think, I'm not a missionary. I'm not a church leader. I'm not a man. I'm not powerful. I'm not successful. I'm not an adult. I'm not a child. I'm not clever. I'm not rich. I am not perfect etc, etc. And all these different reasons can be on our minds why prayer is pointless for us, why we are not going to get an answer, why someone else may be heard but the heavens will be silent over us. It's easy to think we are disqualified for answers to prayer, for healings and miracles because of who we are. And while this, I couldn't find a line in the Lord's Prayer to sort of hang this sermon on, I still feel that this needs to be said. We all need to know that Jesus sees us. He sees us whatever our background, whatever demographic we fall into. And he longs to reach into our lives and free us from that which slows us down, which inhibits us being a hero of the faith. In this story this morning, we have a desperate daddy, and he has a sick little girl, and he seeks Jesus out to help his family. This frantic man has no dignity. He has no backup. Plan. He is at the end of himself and he wants to know if Jesus can help. He is full of distress. And Jesus comes and reassures him and gives him peace. Friends, if we know and love someone that is in trouble, this desperate daddy is a hero that should inspire us. He should inspire us to frantically run to Jesus. Because he's one that can help. This desperate daddy is proof that a desperate prayer by a desperate person for someone else will be heard. You should be encouraged by this Jairus. Perhaps the lady is someone that could be helpful. She's sick. She felt everyone looked down on her. She was shy and ashamed. The fuller uh, scriptural account says she'd spent loads of money trying to get better. She had seen every doctor and not seen anyone help. Perhaps her example is something for you. Medicine has failed. Doctors have failed. 
time has failed. With quietness and trepidation, this woman reaches forward to seek an end to her suffering. Wonderfully, miraculously, outrageously, she is healed of something that has plagued her for a decade. Friends, if you are quiet, if you are shy, if you are ashamed, I want you to find reassurance here that this Jesus hears you. You don't have to be some uh, whiz, bang, impressive, uh, uh, American, charismatic pastor to be heard by Jesus. This woman quietly came up and avoiding Jesus' attention, she just grasped hold of him and saw healing come. If you have struggled with something for a long time, if you have been too frightened to ask, if you uh, are too shy and retiring to uh, force your way to the front of the queue, this woman is an invitation to you to ask for healing, to ask for help, to ask for rescue, to know relief. But I want you to also know that this woman who received such a blessing, Jesus pulls her out. You see, he doesn't want her to stay like that. He smiles upon her and says, come on, tell me. He says, you're a child of God. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You have nothing to be shy or quiet about. You are loved. So hold your head up high, Jesus tells her. Desperate parents and shy folk, rise up and claim your internal inheritance. This is a new day. This is a new kingdom. And Jesus welcomes everyone. Now, us adults may feel inspired. You know, we've got a desperate daddy who's seen his prayer answered and we've seen a quiet, sick lady recovered. But all the girls still want to know about the girl. You adults are always getting healed. What about us kids? What happened to the little girl? Was she forgotten? Did she get better? She was dead, surely that's the end of it. Has this adult robbed this child of a blessing? Does this little girl matter? And that's what little girls want to know. That's what little boys want to know. That's what everyone wants to know. Do I matter? Well, thankfully the story that I read doesn't end where I finish reading. Uh, let's pick it up again. So it says this on page 220. Jesus walked into the little girl's bedroom and there lying in the corner in the shadows was a still little figure. Jesus sat on her bed and took her pale hand. Honey, he said, it's time to get up. And he reached down into death and gently brought the little girl back to life. The little girl woke up, rubbed her eyes as if she had a good night's sleep, and leapt out of bed. Jesus threw open the shutters, and sunlight flooded the dark room. Hungry? Jesus asked. She nodded. Jesus called to her family, 
bring this little girl some breakfast. Jesus helped and healed many people like this. He made blind people see. He made deaf people hear. He made lame people walk. Jesus was making the sad things come untrue. He was mending God's broken world. I love this picture right at the end. Jesus is tender to her. I think we have a picture. Should have done it before. Jesus is tender towards this little girl. Her miracle doesn't involve lightning flashes, doesn't involve limbs growing back, doesn't involve crowds. There is no one watching. In the privacy of her bedroom, Jesus sits on her bed and reaches in and raises her to life. She wakes up just as if she'd woken up from a sleep and she's given breakfast. It's a very ordinary miracle, isn't it? It's a very gentle miracle. It's exactly the sort of miracle that a little girl could cope with. If we are young, even very young, Jesus has time for us. Our encounter with him will be exactly what we need. And so friends, this morning, I try and keep these uh, COVID-19 messages as, as simple as I can, because uh, we've got some very patient children uh, who only want to run around outside. But we find in scripture again and again, all manner of folk that Jesus touches. They're not just one type, they're across the whole spectrum of society. And my encouragement to each of us this morning is to draw near to prayer, in, uh, draw near to Jesus in prayer, discover his love and his power, discover his value and the fact that he can move things for you, because he is the only answer to whatever troubles you. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story. God, we thank you that you brought peace to a troubled father. We thank you you brought healing to a troubled woman. We thank you, most resplendently at the end, that you reached into death and rescued a little girl. Lord God, I pray that each one of us here would find people in scripture that we can identify with. People that encourage us to draw near to you in prayer. People that encourage us to have adventures. People that encourage us that you could use even such as I. Lord God, we thank you that in scripture there are all manner of heroes of the faith. And that, Lord God, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we can find someone that we can uh, be inspired by to uh, uh, do great things for you. Lord God, I pray that uh, everyone here may draw near you in prayer, that they would enjoy seeing you reply in all manner of ways. 
And uh, Lord God, I pray uh, that people would know you through our lives. Lord God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.